This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspective of truth, liberty, and justice, separating out all the propaganda, agendas, and BS. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story continues to be the policy rollout following the two shootings that were reported last weekend, one in El Paso, one in Dayton. The the policy push seems to be mounting and becoming more focused. There was an article today in the journal that uh, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump were talking about guns and gun control, and their main policy objective seemed to be the uh, red flag laws, particularly getting states to enact red flag laws by giving them financial incentives. That's Lindsey Graham's brainchild. Increasing background checks to make them kind of universal. And uh, assault weapons ban, which I think is not the main purpose. I, I think they don't actually want gun control yet until they get all this mental health stuff and surveillance stuff and uh, being able to take away your guns and your rights and even your liberty without jury trials. I think that they want to square that stuff away before they take away this important wedge issue. But in the end, Mitch McConnell said, what we can't do is fail to pass something. So when you don't know what to do, just pass something in a state of emotional agitation. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's effective or it addresses the actual problem. Just pass something so that we can say we passed something and get people off of our back and use it to get another political office. Right, and pish posh to the Constitution. There was there was another story right underneath that about this Nebraska Congressman Don Bacon, who went to his town hall meeting, and of course, so his real constituents, if you really read between the lines in this article, you can see his constituents don't want any of this stuff. They know it's a trap and a trick. Then there are protesters outside, moms demand action, which just smacks of indivisible to me from the stuff you've told me. I mean, that is definitely coming from that kind of an organization or something like it. But the real kicker in this article to me is they talk about the, they act like his constituents, even they think this stuff, these are reasonable checks. For example, I have two examples. Says we have enough gun laws in place in this country, said Ed Walter, who wore a black shirt with a firearm on it. When asked if he would support background checks for all gun purchases, the 59-year-old said he was fine with that. And oh, then, really? Yes. I mean, that's just kind of crazy. So then the next one is Harry and Marie Pittner of Omaha came to support Mr. Bacon in part because they worried that a liberal crowd would be unkind to the congressman. They're talking about his town hall meeting. Asked about expanding background checks to more gun purchases, Mr. Pittner said, I would support it, but I don't want anybody to take our guns away from us. Okay, so what they're doing there is exactly like what I recall a doctor who had been a pro-abortion or a pro-choice activist who switched to the pro-life side. I think he might have been an abortion doctor. And he said that they actually made up – now, I don't have proof that they did it, but he did say this. They made up polls that said Catholics, Catholic women, were overwhelmingly in favor of abortion. And that's not true, So, or it wasn't true at that time. But the point was to say, if the good people or the people in your are are open to this, if even they think this is okay, then you're a in the minority, b it's hopeless, and who are you to you know it's okay 
your side is okay with this. Maybe that's not a great analogy, but it's clear to me that they're trying to say that even if you are a gun rights supporter, this common sense legislation should not make you feel threatened. Right. So so people so, that I'm are not like sure you, they also yeah. want this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's it's I think that you have given us the names for that kind of thing, but I mean it's just it's about crowds. It's about influence. Yeah, it's bandwagon. It's about, yeah, bandwagon, but like even the like halo of silence or whatever, like stuff where it just really matters what you think other people think. Yeah. Staying with the theme of gun control and the threat of guns, I want to read you two different headlines about the same story, one from CNN, one from Fox. First, the CNN headline. It says, armed man was arrested at a Walmart, police say. And just real quickly, I'll go through a brief part of the article. An armed man in his 20s was arrested Thursday afternoon after causing a panic at a Missouri Walmart in Springfield. Officers responded to the call of an active shooter at the Walmart neighborhood marketplace in Springfield, but no shots were fired and no one was injured. The man was pushing a cart and recording himself walking through the store with a cell phone when the manager pulled the fire alarm to notify the customers to escape. Now I want to read the Fox News headline. Armed off-duty firefighter halts armed suspect at Walmart store in Missouri, police say. Notice a difference? <laughs> yeah, and I and I actually flagged that. I didn't mention it to you uh, in my coverage here, but I flagged that story as being part of the people on edge. Continues to be a theme. But my little note to myself was armed man in Walmart stopped by a former first responder, so a government agent. They're they're pushing that theme. That was the Dayton theme. My point for pointing that out is that CNN wins the propaganda war there by leaving out the fact that an armed man was stopped by another armed man. Well, they made it seem like in the headline that an armed man was just – he went into Walmart and he was stopped, and they didn't really get too specific as to why. Right. I even watched them talking about that on uh, Anderson Cooper last night. They didn't mention the fact that it was an armed man, at least – from what I saw. So they're trying to reemphasize that we need gun control in the minds of their audience right now. So one point in the propaganda column for CNN there over Fox News. And I would say it also points out the black-blue dialectic I was talking about yesterday, where when everybody was against the militarization of the police, all of a sudden it became a racial thing, where if you're black, you should be on that side. But if you're white, you should think about the cops as being the absolute, like, overarm them. They're, they're, they're important right now. You know what I mean? Like, they, it seems like it was pushed down from the top to make it racially divisive. And the right is always pushing the law enforcement stuff, the militarization stuff. That's, I think, Fox's role in this dialectic, but which is a multipurpose dialectic. You're up. My turn. <laughs> okay. So there's uh, lots about social media in today's news. The the journal again. I always go to the journal. That's where that's the source of the propaganda, in my opinion. The journal or the Times, and I really don't have the stomach for the Times. It gets a little flowery for me, also. So I kind of focus on the journal. And one of the articles today was. The suspect in El Paso got his ideas online, and there were a few things I noticed about this article. First of all, the guy's name is Crucis, which is so similar to Cruz, which was the Parkland shooter. So I just – I found that interesting because I keep thinking – like I have this whole body of imagery in my mind when I read this guy's name, yet it's a different person. So 
it goes in great length about, oh, by the way, it says the lawyer uh, commented that the manifesto seemed more sophisticated than the way Crucius usually talks. And uh, his grandfather the manifesto, said, did they yes, say that the, the manifesto yes. was not published online by the shooter and they have not verified at all that he even wrote it? Yeah, I had read that in the Wall Street Journal yesterday by the guy who the guy who runs HN. He said it was posted on Facebook and then it was uploaded to HN by somebody else. This I actually highlighted that it said here that the that he himself uploaded it to HN, which is absolutely not true. Or it's not true according to the guy who ran HN. Yeah. So, right? Yeah, yeah. So, which to me is just, it's not correct. <laughs> but this whole, so this whole article, they don't want to waste their time with that kind of distracting nonsense because the entire article is about 8chan and it goes through, it talks about things people say on 8chan, um, their, the style of racism, the way that they promote these kind of things as a game, the language they use. This article, I pro there's probably not one paragraph of this article that I would put on a platform of my own because I have been flagged, taken down. I've been, uh, I got a strike on YouTube. We've been demonetized. This is the stuff I would never write. And it goes throughout this article. It talks about how it's all about the publicity. They just want to be honored. It says, um, Jillian Peterson, a professor of criminal justice at Hamline University who studies the life histories of mass shooters, said the past 20 years of mass shootings and heavy media coverage have created a cultural script for people who are struggling emotionally to draw attention to themselves, to be in notice today, they have to be bigger and bolder, etc. These violent performances meant to be seen and watched. And all this article is doing is advertising it and promoting it, telling people the exact – it says there are 20,000 discussion boards, but, but Crucius chose politically incorrect, the same one that was used by the gunman in two other shootings. Uh, and it just, it just goes on to lay out a roadmap for people to navigate this stuff. I think we know why 8chan is not going to go anywhere. They're not going to have anybody to blame for stuff every time something happens if 8chan were to go somewhere. That's a good point. Yeah, they definitely don't want to get rid of the stuff that's that's uh, bringing the focus on. And there are other items about social media control in the news. To that point, that's why Trump is probably going to win re-election because why get rid of your scapegoat? When you would have to just build up another one anyway when you have one right now that's perfect. So HN yeah. is a perfect scapegoat. Trump's a perfect scapegoat. Yeah, and I, I've been noticing that. Like he – I had flagged whoever won in 2016 was going to be the censorship president, and he is definitely being that person. And if his job is not done, he needs four more years for that so the Democrats can say we were against it or however they want to do it. Also, there's real volatility in the market right now. So I don't know if they need him to preside over the massive market correction that may be underway for a whole nother term. Or my only question about if he really is slated to do a whole nother four years, and I think he is, for those reasons. And also to kind of try to gin up some kind of renewed conflict in the Middle East against Iran or whatever. But 
that he, if they do the market crash soon, then that will tee it up for a Democrat. That may be what it takes to get a Stacey Abrams in there who comes off as somebody who is practical. She was like a tax lawyer or something. Like you could definitely impart to her the idea of someone who can do math. Yes, that must be why she's so good at um, allegedly messing with her taxes. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, actually, that could be an underlying motive for for all these, like her little baby scandals are all about her uh, financing people, having tricky taxes, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. just like Trump's like, I went bankrupt four times, I know how to do that, you know? Yeah. How is that a selling point? But it means that you're crafty when it comes to numbers. Maybe that maybe that's a very subtle angle that's being included in her image. This also from the Wall Street Journal, and I pulled this one because I say this all the time, and I haven't really heard anybody else say it until now. The man who turned the U.S. into a circus, P.T. Barnum pioneered the arts of celebrity scandal and spectacle that continue to shape our culture today. And it goes on to talk about… All the hustle and bustle that fill our, our social media imperative to create a persona and tireless, tirelessly promote it, the confusing welter of information, both legitimate and illegitimate, to which we are exposed, the naked power of advertising to create desires in us that we didn't know we had cannot be traced to a single source, but some people are more responsible for it than others. A good place to start is with the most famous promoter of, these, of the actual three-ring circus, P.T. Barnum, and then it goes on to compare Barnum um, to Trump, and it talks about how he's a showman. And how he created events and how he courted scandal and controversy. He even – it doesn't mention this in the article, but he would write letters to the editors of newspapers that he did shows uh, in those towns, and he would write letters saying that P.T. Barnum is a fraud because he knew it was <laughs> controversy and scandal, and it would drive people to go to his museums and, his, and to his circuses. And this wow. is what we're living today. This is what we're seeing on television both on the left and the right. I have absolutely – I cannot deny – the similarities and never have been able to between what appears to be Trump's style and the P.T. Barnum approach. But I did not realize that Barnum actually went negative. No problem. And I've thought of that, too, like going negative doesn't doesn't hurt the the platform somehow. Yeah. It's the same philosophy as don't think about a pink elephant. You don't think in the negative. <laughs> You're still yeah. thinking about a pink elephant. So even if it's negative stuff. You're still thinking well, about them. I was actually thinking about that with Facebook because Facebook Live was launched with a horribly gruesome event, but boy, it put Facebook Live on the map. And then there was an airplane uh, incident that <laughs> that someone was Facebook Living from Marty Martinez, which and nobody on the plane that had just lost cabin pressure had their oxygen masks on, and yet they were all seemed fine and he was Facebook living. So there's some funny business or I shouldn't say there is funny business, but I had a few questions about the big, the big launch, the big, the most prominent Facebook live events when Facebook live first launched and they were negative. And I thought, Oh, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, maybe, maybe they don't care that the stuff was negative. Maybe they let it get out there on purpose. Good point. It was advertising. At the very least. So there were, Facebook was in the news twice today 
One, that Facebook looks to bolster news content, and they're doing that because they, uh, the method, what's this reporting, is that they want to start paying huge mainstream media outlets for using their news stories and driving to their sites. Oh, and so that's why Facebook hasn't contacted us yet about it. Oh, my there. gosh. I actually wrote my bullet is wonder if they'll approach us, question mark. <laughs> and uh, and it also says in the article like the, this big news media wants Google to start compensating them for using their headlines and search results. I mean, I just nearly fell off my chair. Search engine optimization is an industry in itself. The search result is the compensation. You should pay Google for that. And that the fact that they're in bed here means that Google and Facebook very much want a to the mainstream media propaganda stuff to dominate the news and the news feed because they could get plenty of high quality news free. They could get paid for it if they wanted to. This is all about keeping that that uh, oligar- uh, oligopoly of news at the top. I think. Oh, absolutely! It's probably part of the Google News Initiative. Facebook is working on that as well. The Washington yeah, it Post, didn't mention that in this article, but I figured it. You know, I, I, it sounded like a parallel effort, if not part and parcel. Yeah, the Miami Herald also did a a pilot for the for a Facebook news initiative as well, and I think it was oh. related to the Google News Initiative. Interesting. Well, the other article, the front page article, uh, doesn't talk about that Facebook paying to promote propaganda. It the the headline was FBI surveillance proposal sets up Facebook clash. And I just want to read this one paragraph and then you can take it away. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is soliciting proposals from outside vendors for a contract to pull vast quantities of public data from Facebook, Twitter, and other social media to proactively identify and reactively monitor threats to the United States and its interests and its interests. That means <laughs> the corporations that control it. The request was was posted last month, weeks before a series of mass murders shook the country and led President Trump to call for social media platforms to do more to detect potential shooters before they act. The deadline for bids is August 27th. So it was already in um, underway before this. And in the conspiracy theorists are domestic terrorists memo from the FBI that I read from that was recently released. They talk about how the FBI is not permitted to monitor people exercising their First Amendment rights. They are absolutely not permitted to do that. So I don't know how they're going to make this um, make this work, but I'm interested to dig into this one a little bit. I have an extraordinary article here from the Brookings Institution, which is really pushing this race division on the heels of the shootings that just occurred. And the title of the article, There Are Not Two Sides. Brookings Institution <laughs> title. There are not oh two God. sides. What is on this article? Let, let, me read, let me read a few passages from it. Trump's attempt to equate white supremacy to anarchists, activists, and other groups who are opposed to white nationalism, Nazism, and, and other organizations that believe in racial hierarchies resonates with prior comments made in the aftermath of alt-right protests in Charlottesville. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides, Trump said, on many sides. White supremacy has no equival- equivalency in the United States. And then it goes on to defend Antifa for most of the article and say how it's – there's no comparing Antifa because Antifa, they're just you know they're just fighting Nazis. There's no history of terror there as well. 
the article ends like this. Trump's rhetoric comes from the same poisoned well as white supremacists and mass shooters. Yet the president continues to compare his sordid actions to incomparable people and groups. As just came out, the Dayton situation, he was a fan of Antifa. He was a fan of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Nothing to do with Trump, Trump stated yesterday. The both sides bombast is an implausible political talking point that Trump supporters are using to not hold a president of the United States accountable. Both sides is inherently racist because it shields against what is ultimately responsible for the biased policies and practices that hurt people every day. No, there are not two sides. There is public policy that is developed out of white supremacy that we should all be working against. What is the public policy that's developed out of white supremacy? Did I miss that? No, it doesn't talk about it. didn't really talk about the public policy. Because that's what I always say. Like, what is the policy that you're worried about that Donald Trump can single-handedly enact over the heads of a Democrat-held House? The whole article is a defense of Antifa, and it is giving people who defend Antifa and people on the left – a justification when someone says, but what about this shooter in Dayton who supported yeah, Antifa? It's talking points because I'll tell you, like, that is what I think about. It doesn't – it matters with the how the power is used. It matters to the policies, that kind of thing. So when I go back and look at whitehouse.gov, I look at the executive actions, orders, news releases, stuff like that to see what is actually being done in an official capacity that could justify what these critics are saying, and I don't see very much of that. I think the Brookings Institution is saying that the United States is inherently racist just from the beginning. Okay, got it, yeah. And right. I mean this is one of the – this is possibly the most powerful think tank in the world outside of the Chatham House that's putting this race division out there. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. You're up. The GOP has suspended Twitter spending as Mitch McConnell's account was frozen for putting up a video of people saying awful things and protesting outside his house. They continue to allow a hashtag massacre Mitch or something like that, but they don't allow him to put up this video because it objects – it conflicts with their terms of service. So. GOP spenders are saying we're going to withdraw from that, and then if you dig deep into the details, it looks like Twitter spending for the GOP is very low. It's high on Facebook. They're not doing it there, and on Google, they're not doing it there. But to me, this is just more of a call for justifying a fairness doctrine with the people on the right who were the ones opposed to it. It's, you know, it will take a Republican. That's the hashtag. Which I have used a million times and never comes up in like the auto spell. Like yeah. that's true for all of my good hashtags. Like no matter how many times you use them, other more obscure ones will come up, but not the one that says the thing they don't want you to say. So that he was suspended or his, his account was his frozen? His account was frozen. And was, I thought that was for the AOC thing. Because well, I'm telling you what a, happened a picture today. Of somebody with a cardboard cutout of AOC. Maybe I, I read it wrong. Was it today? It was yesterday, I think. Yeah, it might it might have that might have been in the video. I Maybe can tell you what the in the video, what yeah. the video it says that the the video said yeah, see it's a it's a threat that the Wall Street Journal can print, but I can't I don't want to read it. Okay, yeah, don't read it if you don't. But it had it doesn't mention AOC at all. Okay, maybe that's a different McConnell story. Massacre Mitch story. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I believe today's the anniversary of Ferguson, five years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, strangely, I, the anniversary of Charlottesville is on Monday, 
I remember those two being on similar dates because August, as we know, is riot and mass shooting month. Because it changes, it, it varies yeah. a little bit. But well, it's back to school, yeah. and it's when your legislators are in your town for you to attack directly. That's why Mitch McConnell could see that thing outside his house because he was there. That's right. Yeah, and they're encouraged to go do those things during the recess. Here's an article from Slate titled, What Happened in Ferguson Was Quite Different from What We Were Told. If the narrative around Michael Brown's death shifted, does that change the aftermath? And it's it's, a not, it's not a bad article, but the basic conclusion of the article is truth facts is truth. Facts for facts, but truth is truth. <laughs> right. Yeah. So even though it wasn't true, we admit right. that none of it – None of the narrative that was being spread in the media was true. The underlying theme that this happens all the time and this is real, and there are problems in this. I'm not discounting that, but they're justifying telling false stories, the media telling false stories about uh, something that happened, which has become more and more an everyday thing, at least more obvious an everyday thing to me. Yeah, it's almost like a matter of taste, what you believe or what you don't believe. What you're permitted to believe, what you're permitted to think, what you're permitted to logically roll around in your mind, that it's simply in bad taste to to focus on the facts rather than the clear moral answer. But the problem yeah. – I mean I don't want to pontificate, but the, the, the thing is morality arises from one of two ways, and it's the same basically, which is 10,000 years of civilization saying what is true human nature and what is the right way to order society. Basically, the basic rules are the same across the board in any successful civilization about basically you can't steal and can't kill, I think. I mean I guess there are collectivist societies, but I don't know. Uh, you know, that's my impression. Is that how, or people will say it's handed down by God, but again, that's has to be hand in hand with human nature. So, so what, so what's happening now when they have people like Michael Chertoff say we need a new legal architecture because things are different from what anybody in history could ever have anticipated. In order to prove that, you have to have a lot of facts that are different from what you would expect. And you need to not only present those arguments, but you also need people to suspend scrutiny on that stuff if it's not strictly proving your point. And I think sociology and psychology are meant for you to stop thinking about facts and reality and connections and start thinking about subliminal motivations and how we're just not capable of assessing how the world works or what's needed because it's much more complicated. But that wasn't true. Historically, when when the Enlightenment came, when the American experiment came down and things were responded as hoped in many ways, uh, it validated this stuff. And I think that the American experiment is basically over under siege. But the facts are important. If you're going to change your fundamental legal architecture, you better really understand that there are changes afoot and that they are different. They respond differently from how the past, they have in the past with respect to fundamental legal principles. Yeah, and this gives the media and politicians a free pass to lie whenever they can convince the public that it's true even if they lie. Yeah, exactly, and then they ridicule you like AOC has done or the Abrams campaign has done for being such sticklers for the facts because you're just a big a-hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. What are you, racist? It's like, no, I just think you're lying. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Okay. I have two uh, quick ones. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, perfect. Suspect steals gun during anonymous masked orgy in Florida, of course. 
Obviously, it's going to be in Florida. The theme was anonymous sex, and participants were encouraged to use fake names, invite friends, and come and go as they please during the weekend. According to the news journal, the party was also advertised on social media. The 9mm Glock was left on the nightstand of the master bedroom during the party, and police say the gun owner wasn't able to make any identifications. I thought that was a bit of an interesting story. Never leave your gun on the nightstand during a anonymous mass orgy. <laughs> orgy. <laughs> it's advertised on social media. Yes, that's a good rule of thumb. Now, I would support a law that said that. Yeah. I, I actually would. a really but... interesting one, unless you got, you yeah. got one. I, I have one to wrap up with, but or okay, a couple. I'll, I'll go through some really I can, quick I can be and wrap it up. Yet. This is from the Chatham House. Human control is essential to responsible use of military nanotechnology. The military importance of AI-connected brain-machine interfaces is growing. Steps must be taken to ensure human control at all times over these technologies. Neural recording will also enable the uh, the ability to obtain tremendous amounts of data from operations, including visuals, real-time thought process, and emotions. The primary risk would be for users to lose control over the technology, especially in a military context. Hence, a fail-safe feature is critical for humans to maintain ultimate control over decision-making. So they can, it. it can record your memories and control your actions? I think it can record I, what you're doing probably from your eyes and probably your emotional states. I don't know that it can right. record okay. your thoughts or memories, yeah, but yeah, possibly. Yeah, how could it do that? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. fail safe, you know, because it might lose control. Oh my God. Somebody hacks it, and you're just you're like a video game. Somebody's playing you. Wow, MK Ultra goes big tech. Yeah, you become a character in Grand Theft Auto once somebody hacks this thing. So you can you are you gonna be able to use that as a defense in the court of law? Like I was, I was like Charles Manson. That's all he did. There you go. He wasn't that's there. a good question. He wasn't there. So should I give you the? One or two more that – Yeah, hit me with it. Okay. Uh, just two quick headlines basically. That's it. The, the scandal and the sell-off. It was uh, Weinstein – I think it should be Weinstein, but Weinstein, uh, there's a little article in the Wall Street Journal that he uh, had begun selling his real estate before the scandal broke because he was having money troubles, divorce issues, whatever, and then whoop. Who would have thunk it? He ended up making huge, huge profits, and it reminded me of the time that Clippers owner Silver was recorded saying terrible things, and then the Clippers – and he was also going through a divorce, and the Clippers were sold for like a record price or some astronomical price, and I just think it's funny because – when that Weinstein thing came down, I thought, I wonder if he's going to benefit from this because he is having some serious money problems, and who knows? It's like the Facebook thing uh, or the P.T. Barnum thing that you opened with, funny enough, that negative publicity, if you if you can take it, it might help you. Yeah. And then the last thing is Shallow is being sued as a song by Almost, another song. And we had just talked about this copyright thing earlier in the week, and I think that they do not care if they have to – if they rip people's songs off, if they have to share the profits from the song, if they determine that that tune, for whatever reason, is the perfect vehicle for the social message they're trying to send. Shallow had to be a huge hit because they needed which to – Shallow? Who's Shallow? Shallow was the song from the Star, a Star is Born, which was about mental oh, okay. health. Bringing, you know, Mental health is the big social control operative. Yeah. So the social control operation is coming from mental health. A Star is Born focused on mental health. Shallow made A Star is Born 
you know, or whatever, Shallow was a huge hit coming out of Star is Born and ends up it was ripped off from another song and they'll probably have to pay, but they don't care because it's like a girl crush, you know, ripping off nothing but a heartache. It's that yeah. they don't care. They want to deliver a social message. Right. They don't care. And they're willing to pay for that propaganda. Right, which, of course, makes you think there's a you know a conspiracy or a cabal that has some power and influence at the highest levels. I think there is. I think there is as well. In fact, quite often there tends to be a conspiracy afoot. You can get your drive time prop every day at 4 p.m. at thepropreport.com or at your favorite podcasting platform. We'll talk to you next time.